Okay, so my name is Taryn Scott, and in BWS, one of the things that we talked about was intersectionality. So intersectionality is a theoretical framework for understanding how aspects of a person's social and political identities combine to create different modes of discrimination and privilege. Examples of those aspects are gender, caste, sex, race, class, sexuality, religion, disability, physical appearance, and height. So my first question for Oscar and Megan, whoever wants to answer first, is how do you identify? What do you mean, like he, him? <laughs> yeah, okay. Basically, <laughs> so for me. I'm- oh, I, I'm Oscar Maris, by the way. Hi, Oscar Maris. Hi, Terrence. Um, <laughs> hi, I am Megan Schultz, and personally, I use she, her, hers pronouns. I that was classify myself as a cook. Because that's your, that's your social chef. identity? I a am chef, a chef. Chef Oscar. Chef Oscar. Well, my, my, my intersecting identities are I am a woman. I am African-American. I come from a middle-class family. Both of my parents attended college and I am a student. So those are some of my social identities. Yo, same same here, except I'm not a woman and I'm not African-American and my parents did not go to college. um, I'm not the same. Sorry. (laughs) Well, listen, hold on. Um, I'm a first-generation college student. Um, let's see. Whoop, whoop. I come from a... I wouldn't necessarily consider it a lower-class family, but I would Definitely call it not. a mid-lower-class family. Um, I grew up in a... My, sorry. The community I grew up in was very... Um, not a good one. So like we had a lot of drugs around and things like that. So my dad was actually addicted to drugs while I was growing up. And then I had a twin sister who had a disability. So a lot of our money was going towards that and taking care of her. So I went without a lot when I grew up. Wow, thank you for sharing, Megan. Um, quick follow up. Should we snap question. or? Oh yeah, let's snap. Yeah, snap. <laughs> Thank you for the snatch. No problem, no problem. <laughs> Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah, of course. No, you can't, Taryn. Oh, of course this not. This is a safe space. Who are you? <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> so, having having um, dealt with all of that and just, like, the neighborhood that you grew up in, I have a similar experience as far as, like, my neighborhood and then having to... Um, kind of leave that behind and still go to school and remain focused so how did you how did you handle all of that as far as um, education and staying focused in school honestly like it was probably not the best way I'm not gonna lie because I also struggle a lot with like mental health and things like that so the tactic that I always used was I just pushed it all out of my mind and I like to focus on one thing and be very involved because my my idea of it was if I'm too busy to think about it, then it's right. not happening. Which right, like, I, I totally relate to that. So which what was did not, you do to stay involved? 
Um, well, in high school, I was um, I was a member of our Drug Free Clubs of America program, which is like something that's really big there, obviously, from the type of atmosphere our town is in. Um, is that like, is that like there? Oh, dare. Yes, yes and no, it's bigger than dare. So like dare okay. is more like they come in and they teach you about drugs and whatnot. Yeah, because most, most of the people that went to the D.A.R.E. meetings were drug addicts themselves, just so they could, like, yes. get some intel. So, um, how MAID worked in my high school and in my community is, um, basically you pay $10 and you sign up to get randomly drug tested. Uh-oh. And because you're getting randomly drug tested, you get, like, incentives in your county and in your towns, um, incentives at school and wow. things like that. So it was like rewarding you for not doing drugs. Okay. And mm. then I was I was a varsity cheerleader. Um, Woo! Give me an M E. What else did I do? Oh gosh, I was in student council one year. Um, I took all of our advanced course placement classes. Um, I was in drama club. Nice. Um, so things like that. I like to spend time with my nieces. Um, be a role model for them. So I don't Jesus. think about the struggles. I think. Do you have any free time? <laughs> no, I also worked a part-time job. Oh, oh my god! Wow. You are such and a power woman. Good for you. I was man. working like twenty to thirty hours every week on top of everything at school. So. Fair enough. Though. I just didn't allow gotta, myself to have any free time. Yeah, you got to put your nose to the grindstone sometimes, and it just so happens that you did it all the time. <laughs> I'm so happy yes. that you found positive things so that you were able to still um, just focus on like your mental health and yeah. so like you wouldn't be distracted with um, things that were going on at home or in your neighborhood and so forth. So that's that's really good. Oscar, oh, snaps. snaps. You, oh, yeah, snaps, snaps. snaps. How do you identify Oscar? Um, my name is Oscar Marez. My pronouns are he, him. I am Mexican-American. Um, I grew up in Middletown, Ohio, which is a lot of heroin. I mean, a lot of heroin. Um, uh, a lot of drug addicts, too. Um, it didn't. It doesn't help with the whole school system thing because I, I have ADHD, so I take Adderall for that. And uh, just like Megan, uh, there were mental issues that came with Adderall and then those mental issues eventually festered like a bad infection and just got worse Mm -hmm. so I never really focused on anything if I didn't take my Adderall I was just kind of there um I don't do well in school I don't um I'm not going to blame it all on my Adderall because it's not my medicine's fault. Um, But it does have a good amount uh, to do with why I don't do a lot of things. Um, I was never big into the drug scene because I just, that's not what I wanted for me. Mm -hmm. If if my friends were like smoking or whatever, fine. Do do as you please. But don't smoke around me because that's I don't want to get caught when you do. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, question. Go ahead. So then, what do you do now so that... Because I know, I know you said 
that sometimes school is can be tough um and we're in crew together so is there what else like what do you like to do for yourself so that you know you stay stay connected and stay present in in life um i wake up in the morning that's a good start amen um, and then after i wake up i just go back to sleep and hope that i wake up the next day i they That's say a how... tip like to help you feel motivated in the morning is to wake up and make your bed mm. because yeah, you're achieving so you have... the first task of the day. And like you that. have something soft that comes home to. <laughs> exactly. No, but That's it's, like it's, my bed's not, not made right now, but it's not very That's fun. That's something that when, uh, I really like to do. It's not very motivational when <laughs> your workspace is two inches away from your bed space oh yes that is a great point that's why i try to i go to king library to study i go to the art library to study um because it definitely can be a challenge if you're surrounded by distractions when getting i love done. going to armstrong really yeah like sitting in armstrong like armstrong i don't know is a really just, pretty especially when it's nice outside like i like to sit outside of armstrong Mm. And just soak up the sun. Mm-hmm. The best. Right. We'd have to. We have to find more ways to practice um, positive psychology, even if it means getting out of our room for a little bit. Yeah, that's why. Honestly, I... being cooped up in our rooms because of COVID is so bad for us mm-hmm. and our mental health. I ended up spending. I'm the really night big on my, mental health. I ended up spending the night at my friend's uh, dorm uh, last night because I was cooped up doing nothing but work sleeping waking up back to work i wasn't even eating at this point because that's how bad it had gotten and i was mm-hmm. like okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna take a break for right. my well-being right. um i'm gonna go eat and then i'm going to go to my friend's dorm so i actually sleep well because most of the nights i just didn't sleep um are you talking then, about the beginning of like uni life no, I mean like uh, two weeks ago. Okay, I can ask a question. So as I've said, like I am pretty big on mental health personally. Um, so my question for you both is how has the environment that you grew up in, as in like your home community or um, your home life in general, affected your mental health? Well, for me, so I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I grew up on the south side. I mean, I was a little bit everywhere, but in high school, at least, I grew up on the south side of Columbus, about 10 minutes from downtown. And I guess I would um, I would categorize my neighborhood as urban, if you will. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that. It was that. a tight-knit community. Like, it was a tight-knit community as far as um, everyone looked out for each other. People yeah, I don't people. I don't like how people frown on the word urban. Mm-hmm. I don't urban, like word. urban does not mean gangster, hoodlum, like, okay. but bad people. But let me clarify. We, they were gangster, and we <laughs> were in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like I said, I grew up in the hood, too. So it's right. like, I, I understand that it's not all gang banging and it really isn't it's, it's, like, it's a, like i thought of i thought of them honestly as cousins 
Yeah, um, you're all but family. But then at the same time, because I went to I went to a predominantly white Catholic high school, so when I would have friends over, or if I try, like one time I had a bonfire one summer, and I had kind of like my school friends and then my neighborhood friends together, and it it could be awkward. It could be awkward, but mental health, as far as mental health, I would have to kind of separate my school life and my neighborhood life so that it wouldn't become overwhelming and I wouldn't be trying to like be someone that I wasn't, you know, like sometimes it felt like traveling between worlds and I would get caught up in who, who other people wanted me to be rather than just being if that makes sense. No, 100%. I feel it's the same. Yeah, it does. Um, I, well, as a, as a kid, I would make myself who other people wanted me to be. I would change my personality to fit the role that I was to play. Whatever somebody needed me to be, I could be that. And I ended up changing so much that I forgot who I was a little bit. So I, uh, I just ended up taking a step back and figuring out who I was, what I wanted to do, like, when I wanted to do it. Um, and it, it wasn't an easy transition. It was honestly, it was it wasn't a cookie cutter. Like I'm still working on it to this day. Um. But it was very hard to differentiate my personality at the house mm-hmm. versus anywhere else. Because when I'm at my house alone, I am not the extroverted, outgoing, funny, always cracking jokes. I stay in my room because I'm... I That's my safe place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's where I can just stop and think and just be definitely without stressing. Mm-hmm. What about you, Megan? How have you? Um, so you talked a little bit about it, like with being involved and everything. Yeah. So, um, when I was thirteen, my twin sister passed away. Mm. So, um, we kind of uprooted our life before that, and we moved, like, up north near Toledo area. And, um, after that, we moved home just because that's where my sister was buried and stuff like that. And then my parents split up, which had a lot to do with my mental health and, like, my home life, because everything was falling apart. So, like, I had to deal with all of that. And I would say, like, that's, like, the bottom of my mental health journey was like my freshman year Hmm. I would definitely say that but as I got more involved and I showed myself that it's okay to talk about these things and open up right that's what we're I slowly did realize that it's okay Hmm. to feel I guess that's what I'm trying to say like feeling is okay definitely um but yeah I kind of just I just, I keep going with emotions and hopefully something sticks one day. Mm. We should start like, oh, you said you like to cook. Oh my goodness. I do we love to cook. Start like a YouTube channel of you like 
cooking things. <laughs> you want you want me to start a YouTube channel of me just <laughs> so, oh snaps snaps in, snaps snaps yes snaps. In philosophy class, we're reading this philosopher. His name is Descartes, Rene Descartes, and he goes through like these series of meditations to figure out who he is. And in the first half of the meditation. He literally like it's like a series of hopes and doubts, but he doubts everything that he thought he knew about himself. Like he starts doubting whether or not he existed, whether or not like his arms and his bodies and his organs and his limbs were real, or maybe they were just something kind of like constructed by your given higher being, if you will. But then like finally he comes around and he realizes because he's able to experience all of these emotions and because he's able to doubt his existence in the first place then it reminds him that he's real so i'm going to share like a quote that he says he says but this i that must exist i still don't properly understand what it is so i am at risk of confusing it with something else so having having said that I think in like listening to your experience, Megan and Oscar, and just kind of figuring out um, who we are as people, it's important that we find time for ourselves and, you know, just remind ourselves that, hey, I exist. Like, look down at your hands and yeah. be like, hey, I'm here. Let me find something to do for myself. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. How has your race and ethnicity influenced how you've grown? So I can go ahead and answer. So I am a 18-year-old, very white woman. So I have not had much experience with having to deal with race and ethnicity. But I will say that um, where I come from, it is a mainly white community. And, like, viewing it from, like, my standpoint, like, a lot of people where I'm from, I am from hillbilly town, where they are very stuck in their ways, they were raised by their grandparents, and I have seen some people, personally, this is not what I believe, but come out with very not open minds, and, like, very judgmental people about anything different than what they are. So, like, I have been on the end where I can view that and I'm at an age where I don't believe that way and I see the world as we're all equals and, you know, everyone deserves to live their life and have the same opportunities. Because I've seen, like, poor white women or white children don't get as much opportunity as the richer white women Mm -hmm. or white children. Right. And I'm just at the, yeah. I think a lot of it is about social class, mm-hmm. sometimes more than race or ethnicity. Just like from my standpoint, with me being a white right, woman, right. like it coming towards me. Does that make any sense? It definitely sense? does. I think that's something um, that's real. I think it's something that not a lot of people acknowledge. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's. It's, I'm really happy that you not ha- happy. What a weird word to use. Um, I appreciate that you brought your perspective on things because um, sometimes people might disregard that there are still um, diff- like there are different forms of oppression and different 
people go have different experiences that uniquely shape their outlook on the world so definitely definitely that's still relevant like social class um even within one race or ethnicity if you will yeah how about you oscar um i'm mexican yeah but you're also half yeah that's what i was getting to (laughs) i'm getting there um i am mexican so uh it's a very tight-knit group of people um sadly not the kindest or most open-hearted type of people Hmm. um no i love yous none of that none of that good stuff really in your experience you get money you get money that's how they they pay for your love Hmm. um but yeah um it has influenced me not much not not much at all actually Tell us, tell us about like your experience because you are half, half white. How has that um, affected how you're accepted in your uh, Hispanic community? Your- oh, I'm not. I if you're not if you're not fully Mexican, you're white. That's how it is. Hmm. Um, it's kind of weird being a. But it's like if you're discriminated with white people, you are white. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Would you say? I said, I said it's pretty weird being discriminated against by your own race. Mm-hmm. Definitely, colorism. Yes, yes, sir. I'm a female. My pronouns are she/her. Hell <sighs> oh, yeah. What's your standpoint on the question, Taryn? Like, how how has it affected you? So, oof. So like I said, I went to a predominantly white institution, kind of like now, um, and it was more so in the form of microaggressions, and let me read that definition for you right now. <laughs> so microaggression, a microaggression is a term used for brief and commonplace daily verbal or behavioral indignities whether intentional or unintentional that communicate hostile derogatory or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups so um so definitely some of the things like being an african-american female at a predominantly white institution specifically in high school it was just a lot of kind of like sly remarks or general assumptions like I would have to be very conscious of how I present myself and not only what I say but how I say it because there's this whole um, there's this whole notion of being like an angry black girl and if I speak out on something and I'm and I'm a very passionate person I'm passionate about the things I believe in I'm passionate about the people I love I'm passionate so sometimes um, sometimes I guess that could be misinterpreted if people aren't necessarily uh, familiar with a passionate person, I guess. And then if you just smack your color on top of it, you know, then a lot of people stereotype you as, oh, she's just an angry black right. woman. Yeah, I definitely. Get that. And I think it's 
and that's not fair it, to it you. It definitely isn't. I think it's something that's uh, like in Oscars um, case, even in in my own community, I have to. I'm stigmatized by because I remember like just in my neighborhood, they'd be like, "Taryn, you act white. Like you act white," and I'm like, uh, "Baby, I don't really know what you mean by that." Because I'll go around my friends and they'll be like, "Why'd you say it like that?" Or you know. So I think it's definitely was in the in like in the form of microaggressions, and if it isn't something I might notice in the in the moment, but like I'll go to bed at night. And I'm like, why she say it like that though? Or why she assume I wasn't smart yeah. enough to get in this class? Like, why was she so surprised when I told her that kind yeah. of thing? So, yeah. I get that. I was definitely, um, like, in high school, our high school, and where we're from. If you plan on going to college, you go to our local branch of college. So when me and my roommate, because me and my roommate came from the same high school, we're high school best friends and we came okay, to school that's together. So cute. When we started telling people like, oh, we're like going to go go away. Like we're going to go to Miami mm-hmm. University. They were like, you got into Miami University. <laughs> You're going Hater. away. And we were like, yeah, we want to leave this Peaceful. place. Like me and Caitlin both got into OSU main campus as well. And they were all like, how did you get into that school? You're from Huntington, which we're the hillbilly school. So everyone assumes that because we go to Huntington High School, we're not smart enough to compete with anyone. Well, I mean... So I definitely get where you're coming from with that. Like, feeling like you're not smart enough because of where you come from. Oh, I know I'm are. smart enough. Exactly. Like, <laughs> baby. Like, I might struggle, but... The struggle made a I graduated boast. 15th in my class, <laughs> the baby. Made a boast. Like, I got gold. Period. Exactly. Like, you can eat my dust when I'm driving away in my Tesla when I graduate. And then I can say, hmm, who wasn't smart enough now? You have four kids and never leave your trailer. That's on God. What what were you saying? Like, what do you mean? You're like, I mean, what what do you mean? What do you mean? Oh. (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Okay. Uh, and that was Oscar Maris. And Megan Schill. Sharon Scott. And we are signing off. Signing, signing off! off. Ooh. Ooh! Okay, bye! Bye! Bye, guys!